0: So this morning we're going to talk about, we're going to meditate on a truly foundational subject, one that I believe that we must get right as a new church, and yet I've noticed that oddly, many churches just don't teach about this subject, and the subject is that of church leadership. We're talking about elders and pastors. Um... Uh, a whole teaching on just this one subject, maybe you're even thinking, oh man, that sounds like a boring topic, or, or that doesn't sound very culturally relevant, or maybe you have all kinds of thoughts on on the importance of, of having a, a teaching time on church leadership. But let me just tell you this, this is truly foundational, and for a church to be shaped and then to know her identity and who she is, a church is going to be healthy, which is our, our desire for a new church, this is truly significant. And I believe that it's Satan who has been lying to us and lying to many, many churches that keeps pastors and teachers quiet on this subject. And we prefer ambiguity rather than clarity and we're afraid I think oftentimes of being very clear on this is who we are as a church and this is how we're how we're led and I believe it's a satanic thing where he tells us these lies that this is not important and no one will care about that and it really is just lies and and I think it's because because Satan our enemy wants churches to stay uninspired and unled and untaught and ineffective. <clears throat> so my heart really yearns for us to have a healthy faith family. And so when I think about renewal, and I know that you're on the same page, I want these people that are truly excited. Like Joseph said, next week, previous service, come early and be excited. <laughs> yes, on time change, when you're losing an hour. So it's like you're arriving at 630 Instead of 7.30, it's already early enough as it is. I see your faces. And, hey, I'm just keeping it real. And it's, it's the reality of a week from today. But, and yet, I, I believe that we can be excited about being on mission for our God. And have a church that is truly filled by the Spirit. And being transformed by him, a church that is just bursting with joy, that is inexpressible. And people say, Man, there's just something different about that, those people, that renewal church, and where they meet at that school. And what is up with that? And that they'll be asking these questions as we experience and find joy in the presence of our King Jesus. But the question is how. I mean that's I mean we all want that, but the question is how. So how does a church do that? Especially when you have people if we're honest from different backgrounds and different personalities and experiences and just even just church backgrounds saying, "Well, how are we all different people going to get on the same page and be going in one direction with with one clear vision?" How how in the world is that even possible in today's age? Well, it's the Spirit's leading with the Word guiding, so that's the ultimate answer. But it's, it falls on church leadership. If the church is not led well, then what happens is you have division and lack of harmony and expectations that go unmet and disappointment and this mistrust of leadership and ambiguity and, and then the church becomes ineffective. And so I'm just convinced that this is worthy of our time this morning as we're being trained to plant this new church to so understand how important it is to have clear church leadership and how God has provided the church with spiritual leaders to teach and lead. So that's the two primary, if you want two main headings, is to teach and lead God's people to treasure Jesus. To make Jesus the greatest treasure. So church leaders to teach and lead towards that end. And so let's talk about church leadership from 1 Peter 5. So you see there in your notes the, the subheading Understanding Church Leadership. That's our goal, to truly understand it. So we'll be reading in First Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd arrives, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Amen. You know, this process of, of planting this new church, I have talked to so many people about their church background. I mean, a lot of you in this room, but even others that were praying about it and thought about it and in the end felt that God was not leading them to join. And people just in the community, I mean, even just yesterday, I was with Bonnie in Temple Mall and we went there to have the little boys go play. And, and, and with, with the idea of meeting people, who don't know Jesus, and that happened. It was awesome. Like God's so faithful. We went with that purpose, and sure enough, we we met a couple um, that definitely need Jesus, and they got a card, and we talked, and became a counseling session. Um, <laughs> it's like this always happens to me, but this is just what happens, and 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 I pray that they're gonna come, and I faith that they will, and. And so what I'm saying is I've talked to a lot of people about their church background. And, and man, I've just heard so many of these stories over and over of people that are in pain that have been hurt by churches. Like it's just this recurrent theme and it's honestly, it's painful. It's just seeing how many people have just been wounded by, by men who are supposed to be shepherds and pastors and supposed to love them and, and show them how to follow Jesus and all they do is end up just just hurting people. And I think that what you're seeing here in 1 Peter 5 is so important because it's describing the reality that there are many people that are pastors and they are trying to build very... Large churches, and it's for the praise of their name, not for the praise of God's name. And the goal is to have a megachurch, and it's really, it's not about the glory of God, it's about the glory of that pastor. And and in the process, and I'm not talking about everyone clearly, this is just generalizations, but what can happen is, if, if a pastor is not healthy and walking in the Spirit and have accountability, what can happen is he can treat God's people more like cogs in a machine, more than people to love. And so you go to these pastoral conferences and talk about, you got to assimilate your people, and you got to mobilize your people. And I think, first of all, they're not your people. They're God's people. God made them, and God bought them, and Jesus died for them. And when I read 1 Peter 5, it says that Jesus is the chief shepherd. He is the good shepherd who laid his life down for the sheep. And as a pastor, I'm also a sheep. I'm as much sheep as you are. And I need the loving, correcting body of Christ as much as you need it. But God does call some sheep to serve him as under shepherds, but when when the goal is you, you got to assimilate them and mobilize them apart from well do you love them if not then you're missing the whole point of what it means to be a shepherd and this text here shows about church leaders that genuinely I'm mean like not just a facade but for real love God's people and encourage them And offer them care. And yes, teach them from the Word. So feed the sheep. Just like the same person, Peter. Remember he wrote this. Remember what happened to him when he betrayed Jesus? And then he sees Jesus on the seashore. You can read about it at the end of John. John 21. Remember? Jesus says, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. And what does Jesus say to him? Feed my sheep. Three times. Tend to my lambs. Feed my sheep. He's saying, if you love me, you will demonstrate that love, Peter, by feeding, by caring for, by loving my people, my sheep. They're not yours. They're mine. I made them. I love them. They're made in my image. They belong to me for my glory, for their joy. And I am giving you this act of stewardship. To care for them, to love them, to teach them. So this is what it means to be a shepherd and this is this is dear to my heart because you know, you, you preach something like this to a large crowd, people that you don't know, and it's it's still a truth, but it doesn't mean as much when you're when you're sharing this with people that you're doing life with and getting up early on a Sunday to go set up with and you're in their homes throughout the week and and you know them and you know their kids' names, man, and I, I can genuinely say that I Look across this room, and I love you. I, I genuinely love the people that I have the joy of shepherding, and is such a privilege. And this is so dear to my heart. Let me share with you what it says here when talking about shepherds. Is there in your notes, um, leaders in the church? There's three words that are described in this text. So three key words that describe spiritual leaders. In the church. The first word there is shepherds. So you see it in verse 2. This is the command. He says, I am an elder, which by the way, the humility of Peter is astounding. He walked with Jesus, he led the disciples, of course, under Jesus, but he was the spokesman for the twelve. And he gets up and he preaches the first Christ-centered sermon, and thousands come to faith. This is Peter, all right, who was let out of the prison by an angel. I mean, this this is the man. This is the apostle Peter. And he doesn't say that. He says, I'm a fellow elder. I'm not over you. I'm not above you. I'm not better than you. He says, I'm a fellow elder. He was trying to show that he's in the same level as the other church Leaders. That's me, shows, and he talks later in this text about humility, which is so key for a good pastor. But he says here, here's a command. He's like, fellow elders, he says, shepherd. This is a command. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. So in this command, he's saying, under the Spirit's inspiration, he's commanding these other church leaders, he says, to shepherd. Now, the word for shepherd and the word for care in the original language is the same word. And so a shepherd is someone who cares. So a carer is a shepherd. So this is what you're seeing here. Jesus, who is the good shepherd, we in this text, the chief shepherd, he calls some of his sheep to serve as under-shepherd, under his authority, to care for his people. And by the way, who here speaks Spanish? A few of you? The word pastor means what? Yeah, it means shepherd over what? The animals, the, bah, the actual animals, like that's what a pastor is. He cares for actual sheep. But that same word, pastor, means the pastor in the church. Because it's the same word. In English, same thing. So the word shepherd and the word pastor is the exact same word. They're synonyms. And so which is why we talk about having pastors. A pastor is a shepherd. This is huge. Like we have to get this drilled into our minds and, by God's grace, out into our hearts. A pastor is not an executive. A pastor is not the owner of a company. A pastor is not a CEO at all. That is not what a pastor is. A pastor is not fundamentally an administrator. It's not. I've had to do so many admin duties this last year, and by God's grace, he's given me the skill, but it is not my gifting, and I'll tell you why. Because it drains me. Um, You guys have seen two trailers that pulled up, right, that we've had the joy of unloading. Um, The process of acquiring those trailers was a, how do I say it, highly administrative task where I had to wade through, oh my goodness, hours and hours and hours of phone conversations with consultants and learning about equipment and sorting through hundreds of pages of invoices and deciding what we need, what we don't need. I mean, it. it I would spend some days looking at spreadsheets and I would get such a headache because I don't love it. I'm disciplined enough to do it and got it done, got the trailers, praise God. <laughs> but it's not my gifting. It had to happen, I'm not complaining, I'm just trying to tell you that a pastor fundamentally is gifted as a shepherd, not as an administrator. Others of you would have loved, like, oh, this is so fun, we get to pick the equipment. And I was like, oh, can we just, I I got to the end, I was like, I barely even care, just send the stuff in trailers, (laughs) just get it here. But granted, no, I was trying to be a faithful leader and so we were very meticulous to the very end on every single line item on do we need this or not. I was very thankful to see that what we got was a good order, that it was helping what we needed. So I praise God for that. Um, But a pastor fundamentally is a shepherd who cares for people and teaches with the word. So you have the word shepherd. The next one here is he says elders in verse one. He says I exhort, I I'm telling you, I mean I'm challenging you, I'm encouraging you, elders as a fellow elder. He says so he's talking so he calls church leaders shepherds and he calls church leaders elders. Now an elder literally means older one. That's what the word. If you look at the literal definition, it means older one. But but of course we know sometimes literal definitions don't carry the full meaning of, of a word, and so it carries the meaning of going beyond a literal old man, and it, it speaks of wisdom and of experience. So it's talking about being a leader because you've been seasoned, and, and you've been through some battles, and you have some experience and some wisdom. And this is actually, this language of elder is actually borrowed. So there's some context of the word elder, it's not random. It's not like Peter just pulls out the word elder randomly. It's not, it's rooted in the Old Testament. So if you think of it before you had King David, God's people were organized by what? Tribes, yes, there were judges, that's true, that did lead, so that's accurate. But they were organized by tribes. And each of these tribal leaders, these clans, these were families. Understand that. They all came from the twelve sons of Jacob. And so these were genetically related. Yes, they were spiritually following God, but they were related. They were families. These were tribes. And they all had, if you go back and read like in Joshua, for example, often talks about the elders. And so the elders are the ones that picked the 12 spies that would go in to check out Jericho and the rest of the land. It was the elders that had leadership. So you can go back and read that, it's fascinating. But so these elders were literally the older dudes that were like the paternal, like great grandfather figures who led the tribes. They had the life experience, they were in charge. Why? Because they were old. And because they had the life experience, and he was like the patriarch of that tribe. And so, yes, it, they were older, but, but the word carried more than just, oh, he's old. It's, he has experience, and he's leading these people. That's what the word elder, carries these connotations. And so it's been carried over and borrowed and then applied <coughs> through the Spirit's inspiration, applied to spiritual leadership. So we no longer have tribes like that. In a sense, we are true Israel because we're in Christ and the fulfillments of, of promises to Abraham are filled in God's people. But this is being applied, this word elder, to church leadership. So this is not about age, on how old are you. And it's not as though, oh, you can't be an elder if you don't draw social security. Like All right, that's, that's not what this means. Again, the, the essence here is on Wisdom. Maturity. So someone who is mature in their faith and is following Jesus and can be, as we see here in verse 4, an example of what it looks like to follow Jesus. And so what you see here is it's plural. It doesn't say elder. It says elders, more than one. So you have elders that are called to spiritually lead local churches. No one leads alone. There's a reason why at Renewal Church, you will never lead alone. Like I was talking to Megan this week, I mentioned last week that up to this point, we have one person to lead Renewal Youth. We're not going to have Renewal Youth. There won't be a Renewal Youth if it's just Megan. Not going to happen. That's not healthy. I don't think it's biblical to lead alone. No. If we have one person, then God is leading us to not have that ministry for right now or for this season. I pray he's going to provide. But the reality is the Bible never describes a leading alone as, as the pattern. It's not healthy and long term it never works. And so we share leadership in every area of Renewal Church because it's in the Bible. So you have shepherds, elders, and then you have overseers. There's another word. So verse 2 he says, shepherd the flock of God. He says, exercising oversight. Now, that word there, exercising oversight, is the same word that the Apostle Paul uses in 1 Timothy 3.1. You remember that paragraph that describes the biblical qualifications for elders and pastors? And so, 1 Timothy 3.1, Paul begins, If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. And so Paul describes the office of overseer, the office of this spiritual leadership in the church that is equivalent to a shepherd and a elder. Because what you see here, this word overseer, what it means is one who watches over. really is referred to stewardship. So having management, having authority, having leadership is what overseer Means someone who has this official office, this role of spiritual leadership who is overseeing, watching over the people of God. So you have three descriptions, one role. So you have shepherd, elder, overseer, and all three of those are used in this one sentence with Paul, I'm sorry, with Peter rather, interchangeably. He says, shepherds who are elders are overseers. So he's using them. And so this is what we're seeing. A pastor is an elder, is an overseer. Does that make sense or is that confusing? And a room is small enough or if that is confusing, you can ask the question. Um, does that make sense? Now this is just conceptual at this point on what it means. We'll talk more in a minute about specifics and application, what it looks like. But I want you to understand what the Bible is teaching about what an elder is So let's talk for a second next on your, on your heading is point leadership or shared leadership. So point refers to like head or primary, like lead pastor versus a shared elder body leadership. So right here in verse one, Peter again talks about elders, so plural, so multiple elders. And so this clearly is describing a shared leadership. And you see that in lots of places, not just in 1 Peter 5. You also see it in Titus 1, 5 and 1 Timothy 3, 6 and Acts 20, 17 when Paul calls the elders of the church of Ephesus. And so you're seeing several times where you have this group, this, this more than one person, this leadership team of church leaders called elders. And if you want a mental picture that will help you, rather than CEO, think of elders more like the father figures of a church. Because remember, borrowing from the language from the Old Testament with elders, the elders are the ones that actually were fathers that led that particular tribe, and that same essence carried over and applied to church spiritual leadership. The church elders are designed to be the father figures of a church that are guiding that are correcting, that are teaching, that are loving, that are protecting. All of these same things that a father is supposed to do at home is the same essence of what elders do in the church. They teach, they protect, they guide, they love, they hold, they care for. But they're strong, but they're gentle. They're like Jesus. He he got his whip and cleaned house but he held children and was approachable and this is what fathers are supposed to be at home strong and yet controlled and loving and leading but listen to their wives and seek counsel and care for their children this all of these different elements of what a father is supposed to be is the spiritual role of elders in a church and we do it together it's not leading alone. And the reason why the Bible, I believe, reveals this shared church eldership is because it leads to greater wisdom. It's not just one person. It's collective wisdom. There's accountability then within the elder body. It, it leads to greater trust from the church, because it's not just one person calling the shots. It's a group of men. You're like, well, you know what? Together, they're going to go pray and seek God's face and make decisions. And so, it it creates transparency, accountability, trust, and I believe greater wisdom. So, a new church will one day be led by an elder body, um, and it's it's going to be similar to First Baptist, who so have elders, but it's going to be different because the The elders here are in a different church structure. Where here we have things like committees, and there's just a lot more in in the church governments at First Baptist. We're going to have a much simpler... And we'll talk about this more in the next few weeks on the specifics of deacons and members and how all that works. And so this is actually going to be three weeks talking about these kinds of things. Um, So it'll make sense even more as the weeks go by. It'll be a little bit clearer for you. Today, this is just the basis But elders are the ones that make decisions. And they're the ones that will be leading the church. And so we're going to be moving towards having a group of Christ-like shepherds. Guys who care, love, and pray, and are godly examples. And these elders are going to be the ones that, that you'll be able to trust and go to and pray with. And some of you men, I have faith, will become elders. That's my hope and that's my prayer that men that God has called will become the shepherds that will help lead renewed church. Some of you are thinking, well, oh, okay, so that makes sense to have these men of God who together praying and together accountable, together leading this vision that God's given to us as a church. But, well, then what's your role, Pastor Matthew? What is the lead pastor's role? With this point leadership within this shared leadership. Let me give you a few examples. First Timothy five seventeen. Paul is teaching his young pastor friend Timothy, who he has been mentoring and discipling. And Paul has put him in in Ephesus to be the lead pastor of that church. And as Paul writes his letter to Timothy, again, first Timothy five seventeen, he makes a distinction between elders general, and those elders whose primary role, primary job, I mean he, he calls it duty. So this is like a job, or the primary duty is preaching. He says, let the elders, so again plural, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, he's talking about financial compensation, he says, especially those who labor, who work. Because, by the way, if you've ever taught or preached, let me tell you, it's labor. Like, it really is. Now, to download a sermon from the internet, that's not labor. But to study the Word, and to pound it, and to pray, and say, Jesus, what do you want me to feed your people this week? That's labor. And he says, so those who labor in preaching and teaching. So he's talking about a difference between all elders and those that are actually set apart as vocational that are being paid to labor in teaching, in preaching. He's describing this, this lead pastor. So a lot more to be said, but we need to keep moving on. And, and we'll talk more weeks to come, I assure you. Another example is if you look at the 12 disciples, these 12 men ended up being the ones that preached and led and spread the gospel across the planet. And and what you have is Peter, It was the primary leader and like the spokesman, for the twelve. so he wasn't like the leader officially, but he definitely was the had the prominent role of, of leading and speaking and preaching more than the others had. and you also see that with the two young men that that Paul trained, Titus and Timothy. So Paul put Timothy in Ephesus and then Paul put Titus in Crete to then appoint elders. So he says, you Timothy and you Titus, you're the lead pastors, but you need elders around you to lead, so you need shared leadership. And so that's why you see, for example, in Titus 1.5, Paul tells Titus to appoint elders. He says, you Titus, I'm, 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 I'm putting you here in charge to preach and lead, but you need to appoint elders that will then serve along with you to have this shared leadership. So... What a church needs is both. We need point leadership, but we need shared leadership. It's both and, not either or. Um, there's a common phrase, maybe you heard before, it's called first among equals. That's kind of a, a phrase that tries to kind of... Now, that phrase is not in the Bible, okay? So that's an ex-biblical phrase, just so that we're clear. That's not a chapter and verse. It's just a description. So first among equals. So here's what I mean by equal. So in the future when we have elder body and we meet and we're praying together and we have a decision that we have to make on whatever decision you can imagine under the sun, big or small. And and we're gonna vote to see how God is leading us as elders. Well, I'm gonna get one vote. Like I don't get two votes, I don't get like a weighted vote. It's not it's not me. Like together we're gonna pray and I cast one vote like anyone else does. And so in that sense, it's Equal, But in another sense, it's first because God has put me in the position of being the primary one to be preaching. And so since the lead pastor is handling the word, it becomes natural that he, he is going to be deferred to because he's given his life to study the word. But if you have situations where you're making a financial decision and there's an elder that has a financial background, man, I'm going to defer to him. And I'm going to say, hey, in this decision, he's first among equals. Because in this decision, quite honestly, he knows more than I do. And so I, I will defer to him or I'll defer to him or whoever on different situations that they have experience or, or gifting in. But the, the general understanding is that there is a lead pastor among an elders that govern and lead and pray and love and shepherd together. And so one title that I could use, I won't because it's too long if you ask me, but a lot of churches in this vein talk about he's a lead pastor of vision and preaching. So it's like, okay, like that's too many words for a title. But that does capture the essence of the lead pastor's main role is vision and preaching on making sure that we're going in the right direction and that he's preaching. And he's not administrator. He's not overseeing everything. That's just, that's just not his gifting. Um, does that make sense when I talk about shared end point? Any questions or, or comments about that that we can talk through here briefly? Well, if you do, we can always talk later. Let me give you four brief summaries. So an elder and pastor, so this, the church leaders do primarily four things. One, lead under the authority of God. God's the authority, His Word is the authority. And so, yes, I and future elders lead, but lead under the authority of God. Second, we teach the Word of God. So, if you look at the descriptions of elders and pastors, it says able to teach. And so, if someone can't teach, then they can't be an elder. This doesn't mean that you have to preach for 40 minutes and have everyone engaged. But what this does mean is you have to, on some level, be able to open the Bible and teach. Home groups or otherwise. But there has to be some outlet because elders lead with the word. So you lead under the authority of God. You teach the word of God. Elders care for the people of God. It's a caring, nurturing role. Care. And lastly, model the character of God. That's what you see here in 1 Peter 5. He says, being examples to the flock in verse 3. As we close, give you a couple of thoughts. Um, high calling. High honor, but equally high responsibility. I don't take this lightly. And, and if any of you men become elders, I trust that you won't take this lightly either. Um, it'll never happen, but if I were offered to be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, I would say no thank you. The governor of Texas, not interested. Even the President of the United States of America, why would I pursue a job demotion? Like, that to me makes no sense to do something that is as an honor of leading the people of God, which is eternal. Why would I give that up to be a politician or a businessman? That is not my calling. And and so I love shepherding, leading Renewal Church. And I would not want any kind of uh, Demotion—that's like crazy talk to me to even do that. But it is a high responsibility. We'll, we'll look at it in home groups this week. But First Timothy three one through seven describes a list of qualifications. I'll just read those briefly. It says so to be an elder and or pastor, you must be above reproach. He says able to teach, not a new convert, so not new in their faith. Must be sober minded, self. Controlled, not given to drunkenness, not a lover of money, husband of one wife, having obedient children. Oh, that's a hard one sometimes. Manages family well, respectable, hospitable, not violent, gentle, not quarrelsome, good reputation with outsiders. I mean, it is a 16-point list that is weighty. And, and then you have right here in First Peter 5, we just read it in verses 2 and 3, he gives three warnings for elders. He says, check your motives. So he says, not under compulsion, but willingly. And so he says, this, your motives should be because of God's calling and you're willing. So check your motives. And then he says, check your greed. He says, not for shameful gain. And he says, check your pride. He says, not domineering over those in your charge. And so the Bible says, yes, leaders, yes, word of honor, yes, and yet high responsibility, equally high as it is an honor. And so I pray that, and I have faith, that we will have a group of Christ-like men, full of the spirit, full of wisdom, and full of joy, that will become the renewal church elders and we will ordain these God-called men. And verse 4 says, why? For the glory of Of our chief shepherd, Jesus. Until then, you only have one elder. Like, there's just one right now at Renewal Church. And I'm very aware, like, I'm keenly aware that it's not healthy long term for me to be shepherding solo. Like, this is not the plan. Timothy and Titus did it until the appointed elders. And so that's kind of my role in this planting. But it's designed to be a temporary transition role, not long term so the goal is not to be the lead pastor alone long term but to add associate pastors men that will be maybe bivocational who will have another job and be part-time paid because of the hours coming towards shepherding renewal church maybe eventually full-time associate pastors uh, as well as what we might call lay elders and so men that have other day jobs but are still elders and whether you are full-time or part-time or a lay elder, you will still be an elder, equal authority and leadership. And we'll meet together regularly to pray and seek God's face for the direction of Renewal Church and to shepherd, to pray by name for the members of Renewal Church and to be in the lives of our members and reaching out to those that are not yet part of our church And show them, we love you. We want to care for you. So that's my vision, is to have this shepherding body around me. Let me talk to you for just one second. Our time is already up, I know. But uh, just impact. How does this impact having this kind of leadership? How does it impact Renewal Church? Um, Let me read to you a verse out of Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, verse 17. This is what God's Word says. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, and those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that will be of no advantage to you. And see, I read that, and that is, oh my gosh, that's heavy. Like that is a sobering verse for me. Where it calls the church, it says to submit your church leaders. And so, Rob, if I get a big and, well, yeah, they have to follow me. It's like, yeah, but why? Because I'm watching over your soul and praying for you, and I will give an account for how I'm shepherding. Like Again, high honor, but high responsibility. And this is something that shapes the way I want to be as a pastor and to love you and lead you well and that you would join me in praying for future elders. Because honestly, long term, I can't and I won't do this alone. It's not healthy for me. It's not healthy for you. It's not healthy for future Renewal Church members. We, we need a body where, where this is happening together. And so, join me in praying. And we'll, and we'll do that this weekend at home, Bruce, but let's pray that God will rise up. That He'll bring us men that fit these qualifications, that sense the Spirit stirring in them to be elders, to be shepherds. And uh, hey, and if you're in the room and if you're thinking, you know what, someday I I really feel a stirring, I, I feel called to pastoral shepherding, elder ministry. Well, come, let's talk. Let's get together and pray together. And I have faith that God is going to do a remarkable thing and He's going to do it for His glory and He's going to do it through our church. Father, we thank You. We are humbled by You that You would give us this privilege of knowing You and of being part of Your people, of being sheep of Your pasture. I thank You for the joy of being able to be a shepherd among this remarkable flock. I pray that You would allow us that you would enable and empower us to increase this flock to the praise of your name, that we could have more people experience your joy, and that you would just bring us men, men of God who will lead in this church, who will reflect your character and model it and be shepherds for your glory. We beg you and we trust you for the praise of your Son and His kingdom, we pray.